I don't know. She sounds like a normal human when they talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she's not a normal human. She is massively no, much better. better than a normal human. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Geek Chew, podcast where we chew over the geeky things that we love. I'm Eamon. And I'm Charlene. And our intro music is by my brother, Ryan. And this week, we're going to talk about... So many last things. Two weeks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we'll hit lightly on a few things, like Girls 5 of it, which we started watching. I love it so much. It is good. We hadn't watched, or we hadn't talked about uh, Mayor of Easttown in, in a, a couple weeks. And of course, another episode airs tonight, but... Uh, the the episodes that we hadn't discussed were quite good. Mitchell's versus the Machines, which we watched like two weeks ago. So a lot of details are a little hazy on that one. Army of the Dead. Oh, for fuck's sake. There's so many things. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder yeah. Girl, Time Before Time. Uh, yep. Those two are comic books. Anyway, <clears throat> we did just come from the Liquid Garage, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a, it's a brewery, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, which is pretty good. Yeah, I liked it. I so liked my a, beer better than I liked your beer, but you liked your beer better than you liked my beer. So. <laughs> yeah, there's so many breweries. Well, maybe two, but we live like far away Three. from metropolitan area, right? Right. And they're all within seven minutes of the house. Well, What's the third one? Um, that one over by that Mexican restaurant that we went to that one time. Oh yeah, big wave. That's is, is that maybe what the name called? of their beer. Yeah. Uh, what is it called? Big this Storm. Big Storm content. Brewery. <laughs> Big Storm. Right? Yeah. Am I right? Okay. I mean, I'm going to say yes. Yes. And just trust it. <laughs> we never drink anything from there, though. No. And I don't think you can get anything from Liquid Garage Co. I haven't seen any in um, stores. Yeah. It's... Uh, I don't know. Long story short, I Tampa really... is a fucking fantastic place to get. Good local beer. Good yeah. local beer. I like local beer because you get it fresher. Like, it's good. It's, like, recent. Unless sometimes you get, like, a weird batch that's been sitting around for a little while when you get, like, the Seven Sun stuff that you like. But, like, normally, with, like, stuff that's brewed locally, you're getting it, like, straight uh, off of the printing It's just so, yes, press. printing press. <laughs> that's what they do with beer. Yeah. Uh, is that why, I mean, because when we were in Texas, we drank a lot of local beer. Is that why, like, local beer is just so much I better? I just think it's better. Yeah, because it's but, local. It's fresher. I guess so. They don't have but to I think that travel. I just, I, I have a very distinct impression in my mind of what like a nationally distributed beer tastes like. And the flavor is just completely different. And it can't all be freshness. I know. I mean, well, like High Life, for example, they're like, so Cigar City Brewing Company is a Tampa brewing company, right? It's got a separate brewing company like a specific brewing warehouse for highlight that's in north carolina or one of the carolinas i think it's north carolina yeah i mean and that's like yeah that's like a nationally here. distributed brewing company so but I wonder, even that beer while still good 
not as good as like the small local breweries, right? right? Like that's not our first pick. That's our backup because it's on almost every menu that you go to. It's got to be something related to just the mass distribution production of it, right? Yep. Otherwise, why would they taste so different? Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Anyway, yeah. we should talk about something else. <laughs> what? Beer is a part of it's pop not. culture, and it's something we like, so there you go. So I started watching The Bad Batch. Yes, I watched the first episode with you. There are four out now. I've only watched three. I guess the fourth one has Fennec Shand in it, the um, Ming-Na Wen character from The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure that's her name, if it's not. No, that's her name. Okay. Uh, so I'm excited to watch the fourth one, but the first three were really good. As discussed previously, I haven't finished Rebels or Clone Wars, but I guess this batch of genetically altered clones is first introduced in season seven, the newest season of Clone Wars, which is, so I didn't see that introduction, but the, the show does a good job of just kind of introducing them and Doing their place backstory. in the world and starts off right with Order 66 and all that stuff and why they don't comply with that it's, order. So I was... I don't know, I think walking by or something, maybe coming in from a class or something, and I heard Tegan say something about Bad Batch. Is she, has she started watching that with you or no. expressed disappointment that you didn't wait for her or she just no. was acknowledging that, oh, you're watching it and it's a thing? I have no idea what that was about. Oh. But she... Doesn't care. Couldn't does care less. Does not care. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just another one of those... Dave Filoni executively produced and written series. It's just really good. I guess, I guess he was announced as the executive creative director at Lucasfilm this week and Twitter blew up with massive amounts of support and oh my gosh, this is so great. We actually got promoted like last year. I guess it's a pretty standard process within a company like that to, you know, there's the promotion and then the press release comes much and then the press release comes much later. And, you know, so he's been doing it, but I, I, just, I think he's, I mean, uh, he's just got such an ingrained position in the Star Wars that everybody loves after the original trilogy. Like, right. he finds ways to just mine the in-between areas of what everybody really wants to know about, as opposed to, you know, the other trilogies that have tried to kind of right. tell these huge new stories in this uh, Skywalker saga that have really just fallen flat on their face for the most part. So my knowledge of Dave Filoni is, is really, you know, from the Mandalorian and the, the sort of behind the scenes show that we watched where he's, a, you know, a large part of, of what's happening and, and the information that we get. And I think, or what I gathered sort of what I, my takeaway from that was what makes him so good in contributing to the storytelling of the Star Wars universe is that one, he he loves the property so much and he's done the homework over the course of his whole life, right? So he he knows everything. He has that knowledge and that sort of education to be able to continue that story in a way that honors the original Stuff, content, like the right? Perfect combination of uber nerd plus story, super Pl- effective storyteller. Right. I mean, he's obviously got talent and skill to go with that. But yeah, I, I mean, such a great choice and so lucky that, yeah, that Lucasfilms, you know, <laughs> found him. Because, <laughs> I mean, what if he had been a bigger part of, of those 
Oh, I, I mean, it, it, it would just have been if so they different. Just like given him the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Would have been, um, probably a lot better. Anyway, <laughs> do you have anything before we get into Girls 5 Eva? No, I loved it so much. I can't wait to continue. We've only watched, what, two episodes of Girls 5 Eva? I want to say at least three or four. No. Yeah. Two. At least three. Two. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just do this for a while. Uh, it's really good. I don't know. It's on Peacock, right? Yeah, it's a great sitcom. There aren't too, too many of those that come our way where we're like, yeah, this is great. And the stuff that we do watch, like Modern Family, that was a property that started, what, 12 years ago? Something so, yeah, like something that. Like that. So, and finished after their 11th season, which had to have been pretty recently concluded, yeah. but created by Meredith Scardino, who former writer on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, another sitcom that we really did like, but sometimes we do fall off. On, it's hard on to keep up with those kinds of things. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's co-executive produced by Tina Fey who actually was on that smart list podcast that I've started listening to with Jason Bateman and mm-hmm. um, what is it? Will was Arnett, Will Arnett and Sean Hayes. Mm-hmm. And first of all, super funny podcast. First time I've laughed out loud at a podcast in, in a while, just listening to them talk. Mm-hmm. Plus they have all these great guests because they're pretty ingrained in the structure of Hollywood and pretty famous themselves. Right. So they so don't it's, have any it's problem easier for them those. to get like a, yeah. And then they talk, you know, they talked to Tina Fey about this show and a lot, a lot of other things, but I don't know. She sounds like a normal human when they talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she's not a normal human. She is massively no, much better. better than a normal human. Yeah. So, I mean, the TV show itself is just, super light and funny and uh joke after joke and good joke after good yeah. <laughs> joke right it's not just like oh that didn't land like i i feel like it's high quality jokes and it's about the this girls group from early 2000s that had like one hit famous five ever yeah uh, and it, was it only one hit i thought that they just like had a very short-lived i mean yeah, be, you know why we don't know really hit. is because we've only watched the two episodes maybe maybe three <laughs> maybe four but <laughs> the song gets sampled by lil stinker uh, yeah it's still funny mm-hmm. and so they kind of come back into public consciousness and the the group sees an opportunity to kind of break free from their separate lives. You know, they've obviously gone in much separate directions and we just really like it. It's got Sarah Bareilles, which where the fuck she come from. Right. I mean, I, mean, I, I know where she a, came from. As a screen actor, not a thing before, right? I mean, she was not, in Waitress. Not she did knowledge. Waitress. See, you, know, she you already waitress. know more than me. Oh, you didn't know this already? I mean, Waitress I mean, was her Broadway production. She was on that show. One that I would love to see. I, I don't even know if it's still. Well, I don't know if any of them are. but <laughs> <laughs> Right. And then, you know, Grammys and et cetera, right. et cetera, et cetera. Very, very talented. And now screen yeah, she, acting. She like plays the, the straight man in the show. Yes. But the rest of the group is made up of Renee Elise Goldsberry, who we know from Hamilton. And also, what's that show we watch every week? <laughs> Zoe. Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist is right. Mm-hmm. And Busy Phillips, who I'm also not super familiar with, but I, I looked at her. She's got a little of bit of stuff in and, there. Yeah. And Paula Pell, who's 20 years older than all these uh, women, right. but who's maybe the funniest one of the group because ah, so great. She, <laughs> she just plays this. 
what is she doing now? Is she a waitress or is she? No, no, no. She's like a dentist. It's been a while since we saw that fourth episode. Second episode. (laughs) She's a dentist. Yeah. And she was. uh, Dental surgeon. She's a lesbian who was closeted back in the early aughts version of this group. Right. she, (laughs) She got married and she's super unhappy and. A divorced person now, right? Right, she's divorced, but I think she's like still obsessed with her ex. Is what it, is like what I'm gathering. <laughs> it's yeah. so great. It's great. Uh, we watch things and I can't remember any. We re well, we rewatched Raya yesterday, and I was like, "Well, I remember about half of this." That's and, so weird to me. I thought you were awake that whole time. <laughs> <laughs> super good at <laughs> pretending to be awake for things. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Do you have anything else for girls? No, watch it's it really though. Good. It's so good. I. Is it only like eight or ten episodes? Um, I'm not sure, but I can't wait to make more time for it in our, you know, yeah, current we schedule. That, uh, yeah, well, when, are, when are we going to be done? Thirty minutes? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a good idea. Uh, Mayor of Easttown. Um, my current favorite show. It's so good. It's so good, and you know I love a detective mystery, and this one's so great. And the last episode was intense. And so intense. I just, I don't know how you write a character like Mare and also portray her. You know, Kate Winslet is amazing in this show. Yes. I don't know how you write the character, and build her up to be such a flawed person who you really just still root for. Like yeah. anti-hero to the extreme you know, nth degree or ninth degree. Is that nth degree. <laughs> I know what it is. Yeah. We just had, this, it's yeah. a conversation we had. Off the it's, off the podcast, it's always successful to bring inside jokes the, yeah. into you know other <laughs> listenership. It's fine. Nth degree, anyway. Nth- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really are rooting for her, even though um, she's potentially very unlikable as a as a person. Yeah. You know, she's highly flawed and very abrasive. It seems good intentions, like. though, and I yeah. think they make that clear. Correct. So. I mean, you know what they say about good intentions. It's some road that leads somewhere. It's paved. <laughs> the anyway. road to good intentions is paved in bacon? The road to hell is paved with good intentions? Is that... <laughs> I don't know. I think we're mixing up I some think sort it's bacon, of though. Like stand-up thing and, and like an actual... I, I actually like, have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, the road to hell is paved in good intentions. I mean, that's what I said. Yes. Yeah. But I, I cleaned it up for you. You're welcome. With bacon? No, I just said the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I just, I just like tightened it up. When you are editing this and you listen, you will hear how I fix this. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's great. It's fantastic. Anyway, <laughs> I, I guess I don't really have much else to say about Mare. No. It's I, a really good show. I can't wait to keep I wish we could watch it on Sunday night when it aired, but it's on way too late for me <laughs> what like 8 p.m i think yeah. it's 10 oh geez yeah, yeah. oh that is it's late what is on at, on at H- earliest nine o'clock dude what is on on hbo earlier than that that other people need to be watching we do not watch tv that way so i have no idea yeah but normally that like nine o'clock eight o'clock spot is like primetime viewing right like traditionally like 10 o'clock is not primetime viewing on a sunday night i don't know i don't know either I wrote MVM. Ah, oh, Mitchell's versus the Machines is next. Yeah, it's really good. I really liked it. Did you stay awake for this whole one? I mean, for the most part, I wanted to rewatch it before we talked about it, but that didn't happen. So, did was Courtney already home when we watched this? I want to say yes. It was 
really great. It was a good, it good was really movie good. about family and like the specific relationship with Katie and her dad. I think that's like the center. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's I just feel some kind of way about it because I feel like I'm sort of in a struggle right now. Maybe not specifically me. I feel like I'm Katie and and Courtney is a little bit the dad where I'm just like trying real hard and he just doesn't get me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. No. I mean, it's a little bit of a stretch, I guess, (laughs) but I mean, he didn't raise me and you know, all that stuff. It's the other way around. I'm just saying. So it is a really great story about this family and Mm -hmm. the daughter who's about to go off to college. And she's a, a creative type. Like our kids. Uh, and I us. I, I would say we're creative types too. For sure. I mean, much better than them actually. <laughs> <laughs> I would That's say not true at all. our kind of creative type is what has allowed them to be more, be able to embrace their creative drive more in, yeah. or, in order to, you know. For sure. And I, I like the message of the movie as far as, well, I like the way the the movie kind of highlights the importance of movies to people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously there's a lot of technology versus, or I guess the dangers of technology and AI. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a, the robot apocalypse is a big deal in this particular film. <laughs> but I, I listened to the director, Mike Rianda was on the big picture. Did you listen to that interview he did? No. No, it was good. Uh, yes. He talked a lot about no. the the development of, of the movie, how long it took to, uh, yes, I did listen to it and how hard it is to be in animation, which, yeah, because it takes so much longer to put out this kind of film than a live action film. And so while he didn't specifically say these, these words, like they have to be ahead of what's happening or just like super on top of the zeitgeist in order for when that film comes out for it to still hit and not be behind. You know, yeah. Because what did it take? Like four years of in production for this? I, I don't know ex- the exact timeline, but are they um, executive producers, Lord and Miller? Because he yes. talked a lot about yes, how yes, 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 this was kind of riding the wave of their success on uh, into the Spider Verse, or right. you know, they had just had that success and they kind of rode into his movie but and like really helped him. Just out. had a screener for Spider Verse. It hadn't even released it's yet so when good. he was working on this. Movie. I could watch that right now. Spider-Verse? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could watch it always. Every anytime. Yeah. Every minute. And I guess, so I was reading a couple articles. I think there was one on, doesn't matter. There were a couple <laughs> different articles about the uh, representation, the LGBTQ uh, representation of the movie and how. So I never saw Paranorman. But uh, I think maybe you took the kids to see it. Uh, I think we rented it or saw it streaming or maybe I did take them to see it. And then we've also seen it streaming. But there's a character named Mitch who was, yeah, I don't even know, just queer or gay. I'm not sure. Yeah. But uh, her name was Katie. Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. Must have slipped through that part. (laughs) (laughs) Every part where they said her name is cool. But it's the first POV character in an all ages movie since Paranorman. I don't even know if Mitch was like a main character in that. Cause as discussed, I either slept through it or didn't see it. So, but I thought they handled it all. Well, I really liked how they wove the, uh, I don't want to say technology, the, the way that 
people use social media now into the movie. <laughs> like right. the, the screaming ape meme, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. in and out for the dad while he's screaming. It was pretty funny. I, I yeah. just really enjoyed the movie. Um, but I guess that's all I really have to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like how it wasn't a big deal with the character sexuality. Like it was just a thing that is in this and it wasn't, that was, a no, it was a non-issue. Like the issue was what this girl wanted to do with her life. Yeah. Career-wise, that was the head-butting kind of. Yeah, there's a word for that. Yeah. I'm missing it. <laughs> I, am, I, I, I can't, <laughs> I'm just I can't like seem to pull it out of my head. Eyes, yeah. Like trying to. Um, um, the, uh, the conflict? tension conflict tension. i think it's conflict i think conflict is the conflict that's the tension. driving conflict <laughs> for this story uh so that's great like we just need to to normalize people living their lives the way that they live their lives and focus on on the things that you know like i don't know and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. no i got it yeah okay. gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um i liked it it was definitely a good watch very funny i would rewatch it i would rewatch it as well to uh you know Catch what I may have missed. <laughs> if you fell asleep. Uh, Army of the Dead. Um, on Netflix. Yeah. And also in theaters, apparently. So we haven't had a, t- uh, a chance to... It's also in theaters? I think... It, uh, I heard it came out in theaters last week. Interesting. We were just talking about this earlier today, how things are really starting to come out into theaters, and maybe we should sign back up for our AMC... Um, A-list. A-list. Uh, make it cheaper to go see... I mean, just this... Next week alone, we got Quiet Place 2 and another movie and coming some, out. Yeah, we... What was it? Jesus Cruella. <laughs> yes, that's the one. It was Cruella. And also, there's like some rom-com that I want to see that's out in theaters that I would go see yeah. by myself without you guys that uh, I see the look on your face. It looks like so, you're not interested. It's totally cool. I don't even remember what it's called, but if we were on it, if we still had that A-list membership where we're just doing that monthly fee and could go however many times three times a week or whatever yeah it's ridiculous if you're actually going to go to the movies it's by far the most financially effective way to do it yeah it's like the cost of a a ticket plus a couple bucks right anyway i don't know we didn't go to the movies for this movie right (laughs) it's something we watched on netflix over the course of two days Mm -hmm. which i think really i don't want to say made it better but it's like a two hour and 40 minute movie it did seem really long and we haven't touched base about it at all after having seen it. So I don't even really know how you felt about it. Cause I, th- I feel like I was just really tired after it ended oh, and we were sure. just like passed out dead. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so it's a Zack Snyder movie. And I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I never saw Dawn of the dead, which was his, I guess he made another zombie movie. This was like 2004, like a while ago. Never that was really well received. This movie was kind of a straight fun zombie action horror movie uh without a lot of the grandeur that this i think people fun. criticize people you didn't this, think it was fun i mean i think that there was some f- fun stuff a little bit but like overall i did not see this as how do you watch a zombie movie and not have fun like what do you get out of it well it's not like it wasn't fun i just wouldn't have <laughs> like that that wouldn't have been one of the words I use to describe this. I feel like it was like really emotional and intense. Okay. I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, with that zombie fetus and everything. <laughs> oh, wow. 
it was hard. <laughs> you know, you felt some kind of way and I don't know. Well, yeah. I thought it was fun. Uh-huh. Well, so I think like the heist stuff was definitely the fun stuff. Like all the stuff surrounding the heist. But yeah, I like, mean, I didn't have fun watching a zombie fetus. Like, that's not what, and that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the heist stuff was fun. The zombie fighting, I wouldn't have, I, that was like cool. And I guess, I guess it was fun. And, you know, but like that's. Whatever. I don't know. Maybe I'm just... I thought the cast was really good. I liked it. I'm not saying I didn't like it. I liked it. (laughs) I don't know why you didn't like this movie. (laughs) Uh, Dave Bautista. I I just... How do you feel about him? Because I think he's, again, fun in every movie that we watch. Yeah, he's fairly one note, though. You kind of know what you're getting when you get this guy, right? The emotional impact that he has on this, it doesn't really hit home. I feel like he doesn't... give you that um sort of dramatic flair where you're like i really intensely feel that this guy is having a tough moment kind yeah. of thing I, I don't think that's what the movie called for so i think right. it's fine i mean I, I mean i don't think that's what any of his movies call for and that's right. why i think he does a good job you oh, know, yeah. of placing himself in these movies yes i agree He's in a lot of headlines uh, in the past week or so because he's talking about how he's kind of done playing Drax after Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Oh, and interesting. There's also rumors that he's out there shooting with uh, Taika Waititi for Thor Love and Thunder. But, you know, the headline is obviously like Dave Batista will quit playing Drax because of Marvel's insistence on shirtless scenes or whatever. And what he actually says is like, I can't walk around with my shirt off all the time. I'm 52 years old. It's getting really hard to keep my body in shape like this. Yeah, um, that makes sense. The rest of the cast was good. I really liked Tignataro in uh, as the helicopter pilot. Yeah, funny. Lots of light moments there. Yeah, it's a it's actually quite a large cast. It's two hours and 40 minutes. Not a whole lot of them make it out of there, but <laughs> you know, it's almost no one. It's good. It's funny. On the first night, we talked about. Zack Snyder's choice in music for his movies and mm-hmm. how it's pretty effective and really, I mean, maybe not the most uh, creative. And I think that really translates into the second night when they started playing zombie. On. <laughs> I mean, it During was, like, the credits. A, it was yeah. like an alternate version of that song, but uh, so, what do they call those covers? Yeah, it was a cover. Um, I liked the cover. Oh yeah, it was a good cover. Not never as good as the Cranberries version. That version's perfect. But what do you think goes into the director's choice to choose someone to write a score for a movie versus a soundtrack? You know, like with pop. Well, there's always a score. Almost. I mean, there's probably like two movies. Yeah, I mean, but you know what I mean, like. where to put the score versus the soundtrack? No, I mean, some movies are almost entirely new written score, like... Tenet. Yeah, Tenet. Um, so good. Score is so good. Wonder Woman, you know, you're kind of expecting there to be some... Wonder Woman 1984. You're kind of expecting there to be some, like, music from drops. the... Yeah, 80s drops. That didn't happen. So what is... I mean, it's just an interesting... Yeah, and it's not like Zack Snyder does. also does one or the other, right? So it's just, that's just something. Just that, creative uh, decisions, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes people make the wrong choice. Like in Wonder <laughs> Woman 84. <laughs> yeah. They I mean, really could have 
Could have had it a little more fun there. Yeah. There. I'm still surprised I haven't seen it again since the first time we watched it. Uh, nope, Did we that's not it. watch it a second time? I have not watched it a second time. I feel like I have. You might have. It's on HBO now, I, know. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. all the DC stuff. Anyway, want to move on to comic books? Yes. <laughs> it's a great transition. Yeah, <laughs> we're doing so good. Before we get into Wonder Girl, I did want to say that you should catch up on We Only Find Them When They're Dead because that's a new arc. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know how many issues you've actually read, but that's... Oh, no. <laughs> wow. Keeping up with it hardcore. It's hard because they come into the house and then I see that they came in and then you read them right away because you're really good about that stuff. And then I put it off because I'm a procrastinator to the nth degree. And then you put them away because you're also very tidy. Well, I leave them out for quite a while. I know. I know. And then you put them, and then it just, you know. She's not going to read this. I'm just going to put it back in the frame. Yeah. And it's not that I don't want to. It's that I, I honestly, I have to, I have to make a conscious effort. If I went to the comic book store with you every week when you go, I think I'd be more likely to read them when they come in. Yeah. Just, but that's just not a practical way for us to be living our lives right now. So. No. Yeah. It's almost on my way home from work if I go 30 minutes out of my way. <laughs> and it is. Which I do every day anyway to avoid the toll road. So whatever. <laughs> well, and it's also not anywhere near where I go at any time ever. Yeah. Unless Until I'm we start going to the movies again. <laughs> right. Right. And then, yeah. And then we can just anyway hit it up on. Fantastic title. New arc. Uh, a whole kind of host of new characters. Interesting. Uh, a twist of what had happened uh, kind of as a cliffhanger in the in the in the first arc at the end of the first arc, and it was really good. I enjoyed it, but I also enjoyed Wonder Girl. Which I really enjoyed Wonder Girl, and would you say there were three issues in the think so. alternate Wonder Woman story that came out to kind of introduce Yara as a character? Yeah, I don't even remember because I only read the first two. The future State was the kind of event, right? Mm-hmm. I think this new, I assume, ongoing series. All, still has future state stamp, stamped on the um, in the corner of the of the book. So uh, I certainly don't keep up with huge crossover events. Right, I, it's so hard to do that. It's just like it feels like a money making scheme to me. And but, well, uh, it anyway. certainly is. That, yes, but it also offers you know entry points for people who want to get into comics but don't know where to start. I and guess that's a good point. New starting okay. point. But mm-hmm. yeah, so there were only a couple issues and then she kind of disappeared from all the books that I saw on the shelf at the comic book store. I mm-hmm. uh, didn't see any of that. And DC doesn't put any stuff in their previews catalog anymore. They have their own, I think, previews catalog online. which So that's super obnoxious. ineffective <laughs> for me. You kind of have to, I mean, that makes it difficult for a person to to find out what's coming out. You have to be consciously seeking them out rather than. Yeah. I mean, I already consciously have to ask the comic book store every week if they have a new previews catalog, because even though they've written it on the subscription board, they never give me one. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, but Joelle Jones does the story and the art again, or still for, yeah, the for art the is character. great. I think so we've already good. mentioned that. So great. I, I really like the story too. That, I mean, the original mini arc was was really well written. I thought just kind of a great drop you in the middle of this character intro to her mm-hmm. personality and um, kind of the world that she inhabits. But that you get a glimpse of her childhood in this new book, issue one. She's she's traveling to Brazil as a adult, as an adult. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> uh, she's going for a heritage tour, and then. 
the way the comic book is kind of constructed, it's this carefree character on this trip to Brazil juxtaposed with her significance in the DCU, which is kind of obviously significant, but you don't really know what's know going what's on. Going it on jumps why. from, from yeah. Themyscira to Mount Olympus to Bana Migdal, which I don't even know where that's supposed to be or what that is. I'm Neither. not sure. I'm what. sure that somebody who's like more fully invested in the DCU oh, would know, sure. but we don't. <laughs> right. That was the one I was the least familiar with as well. Yeah. And then, uh, so I'm curious also even where in the, this has to be taking place before the story that we read, right? It seems like, it seems to me like maybe she doesn't even know who she about is, her, yeah, right. who she is and what her power is. And like her, um, her version of Wonder Woman's lasso, I'm not sure what it's called. It has the balls on the end of it. Uh, we should yeah, look what up. is that called? I have no idea. We should find out. But, you know, she at the end of this issue, she's pulled down into the water by the sea creature with that. It's a mermaid. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is it though? It is. Um, <laughs> anyway. It uh, is. So Sea creature could be she any probably number gets of animals. So she probably doesn't even have that in her position, that kind of. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't realize that. Okay. So it was a really great first issue. I really, I liked, really it. liked it too. Yeah. Do you have anything else on it or no? Yeah, yeah. it was good. Yeah, it was great. I would highly recommend. Uh, what? Oh, oh yeah, taking it home with time before time. Yeah, I. This was a confusing story, but only because time travel is confusing. Um, and it took me a little bit. So I guess not really confusing. It took me a little more time to get through it because, um, and one of the things that it does one of the things that I love most about comics is really combining that art with the text in order to move the story forward. Did it did that in such a effective way where you really have to be paying attention or you're going to miss something like panel to panel. It's moving through time so much faster than you think it should be from panel to panel because yeah. the conversation is so cohesive, but then, you know, their outfits are changing and you can tell that this discussion is happening over who knows how long. Oh, yeah. Um, right. Right. But you because know. it has the year posted. On yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but so but, it's an image book mm -hmm. and it was written by Declan Shelby and Rory McConville art by Joe, Joe Palmer. I have it written down here as Pamer and I'm quite sure that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's another one of these creator owned books that has a Kickstarter, which I found on, I almost never do this. I had to click uh, to go to the second page of the Google search to find it, which you would think that the Kickstarter would be uh, one of the first things that came up. Google has interesting algorithms. Uh, yes, mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, it's a, it's a different kind of Kickstarter than like the one we talked about for Berserker. Cause this is for a process edition of the book. So it's basically like the creators wanted to present the process of making your own creator own book to whoever wants that. And I kind of want to get it. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's a, it's a little more reasonably priced than the Kickstarter for Berserker for some of the, cause I mean, I mean, it's a less significant bundle. Mm -hmm. Like they have what they're giving away. Uh, not giving away, they have what they're offering. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just more reasonably priced than like, I don't know, six bound editions of a book or whatever it was. Right. Today. But I mean, basically it's, uh, and again, speaking of 
the previews catalog. I saw this in the previews catalog and I was like, eh. Mm-hmm. Uh, just I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I, I we do that a lot. It's hard on mm-hmm. the poll before they come out, and I know that helps the comic book store. So it's, I don't know. It helps the comic book store. It helps the creators kind of gauge interest in the book and how many copies to order. Right, uh, but I think it's here's the for issue: bookstore because when they you, order tons of shit. Yeah, when you order from a poll, though, you're ordering essentially three months in advance. Right, because if you cancel it then they have three months worth of books that they have put in an order for that now they don't know who's going to buy them. So that's, it is a tough thing. I mean, I guess you just have to make a commitment and decide. It's definitely easier with a creator that you're already familiar with and know right. that you are more likely to yeah, be invested in their work. Um, but yeah, I mean, supporting a creator on a book that you've never read of theirs before is, I mean, that's, you're right. That's a, that's a tough place to stand And I don't know in. if I've even ever read mm-hmm. anything by Declan Shelby. He's worked at Marvel. He's worked at image with his own creator own stuff before, but uh, I just don't think I have. I don't think I have either. The name and, does not sound familiar. And to even me. when I went to the store and saw the cover, I didn't know what it was until I got it home, opened the bag and board and flipped to the first page. And I was like, Oh, it's this book. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but the main timeline for the story is 2140, well, 2141, mm-hmm. around that time frame. And it's basically, I've seen a lot of people describe it as Looper mixed with Children of Men mixed with whatever. It's Children of Men? Yeah, that's a, that's a little stretch, I think. Yeah. It definitely makes me think of Looper, but I think it's mostly because of the like pod time machine in a warehouse kind of thing mm-hmm. outside of that it's not really like looper because they're like a time relocation service yeah right like they bring people to a different point in time to for security for not just security for any number of reasons yeah um, uh, security just because they don't want to live in the shithole that they live in right now and whatever decade they're living yeah, in quite so. expensive though yeah <laughs> i don't know I, I i thought it was just a really great issue to introduce uh, the characters. There's Tetsuo, kind of the main character, Mm -hmm. and his uh, partner, Oscar, who, uh, you know, they're kind of conspiring to steal one of these machines, and that was what you were talking about before with the, uh, just so effectively done. Mm -hmm. It's just, they're having this conversation, but you can see that the seasons are changing through each panel, so they're just having the same conversation over and over again, just kind of talking Mm -hmm. it through and deciding if they're going to try to do this, and you know, and they have a super emotional reunion scene after things kind of go yeah, go, it was go wrong. It was, uh, it was pretty emotional. It was kind of a bummer. <laughs> yeah. And I think going forward, you know, it's going to be Tetsuo and this FBI agent, Nadia Wells, who kind of uh, hijacks the time machine with him about who he's about to steal the time machine. <laughs> and then she points a gun at him out of nowhere and, you know, shoves says, him in there and yeah. they're getting uh, shot at and, uh, they she wants to go to just a year forward for whatever reason unclear we've only read the one issue and the the bullet hole like rips through the time machine just as they're about to jump and you have no idea where they are you see them thrown out of the time machine the date which has been very clearly uh, displayed uh, on a lot of other panels is all broken and unreadable mm-hmm. uh, i just thought it was super cool it was cool um very creative i'm I don't know how people come up with these amazing ideas. 
Um, well, someday I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, did you have anything else for the book? No. It's really good. It was, I would it was highly really recommend. good. Yeah. I'm into it. Um, it was fun it. to look at too. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I, I really did like the art and the color. Mm-hmm. It was all very good. All right. So we'll wrap it up. Dogs are getting a little restless. Probably time to start uh, eating some food or at least, you know, drinking beer. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, that's it. It was fun. It was smart. We liked it.